0: Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> where we give away more chicken coops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. We are often imitated but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Magazine. And also coming up, we'll be posting our tour schedule for 2015 as the busy season starts to approach. Yep, next couple of weeks we'll be on the road, heading up next week for the big national webinar with both CDC and USDA. That'll be next Thursday at 2 p.m. The following week, I've got a uh, a large uh, dealer conference up in, let me think, Columbus, Ohio, and that, of course, is with ComTalk Feeds. Looking forward to that, really looking forward to that. There'll be about uh, 200 dealers there, feed dealers, and uh, I'll be looking forward to talking chicken with those great folks. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We've got, yep, welcome back, poultry scientist and professor, Dr. Bridget McRae, DHD, and today's topic is going to be things to consider when you are building that chicken coop. So uh, get that pen and paper out because we're going to return right after this short break and there'll be more to come on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Comboxy Feeds. When you need an incubator, think Brenzi, the incubation specialist. Brenzi has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brincy.com. Brincy spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brincy.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think brency technology you can trust you've just entered a dimension of dirty water a dimension of poop filled water a dimension of stagnant water you've crossed into the dirty waterer zone but up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The BrightTap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. BrightTap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at WareMFG.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at one 888 824 7257 Wear manufacturing This looks like a job for Super Chicken. You get the super sauce? I'll don my super suit. How would you like a punch in the beak? Bunk, 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 bunk. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. It is an awesome day in South Florida. Uh, tonight, guess what? South Florida, it's going to be about 28 degrees. So burr, burr, burr. We've got a frost morning going on down here. Hope the oranges and groves are going to be okay. But uh, a little bit chilly today and uh, last night, but tonight's going to be the humdinger at uh, 27, 28 degrees. So we've got to bundle up down here in South Florida. But we are heading back up north on uh, it's just kind of a send-off, I think. That's God's way of saying, hey, you know, we're just kind of slowly going to acclimate you to the weather as you leave Saturday and move north. <laughs> so I think that's what he's doing for us uh, right now. But uh, we'll be heading up, like I said. Uh, i got the uh, webinar next week at uh, CDC headquarters in Atlanta and then heading up to Ohio. That'll be a cold trip but hopefully our time will be spent in the nice uh, comforts of the nice uh, Hilton Hotel there. Um, I already told you, and I checked it out. Nice Mm -hmm. indoor heated pool, bring your swimsuits, especially the kids' swimsuits. They'll love it. So i got that going on. You know, speaking of kids, yesterday we had a photo shoot. Um, I never have liked photo shoots. Um, It's just uh, a necessary Evil, I guess, but we'll, you know, uh, sometimes they can be uh, fun aspects to it. But it was initially designed; it was going to be a professional photo shoot. I needed some new professional photos for myself and my new sponsor, Comback Feeds, and uh, and I made the silly mistake of saying, "You know what? Maybe while we're there, we can get some family photos too." Bum, bum, bum. I know, the crazy photos, one day we'll look back and laugh at them. But man, with a two-year-old and a three-year-old on a little farm setting with lots of animals and getting focused for pictures does not work. So note to self, when you go into a studio, go to an outdoor uh, place to have pictures where there's no distractions like puppies and dogs and chickens and goats and cows and horses and pigs. and, And you're trying to look at the camera and Lily's looking over there going, dog, cow, chicken. Of course, bird. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! So maybe out of the hundreds of pictures she took yesterday, she can work her magic in editing and get us a few good family shots and a few good professional shots. So uh, that was just uh, thank goodness I had my head shaved. i been pulling all my hair out yesterday. It's so frustrating. And then after the fact, you look back going. You know, it's just, everybody goes through it with kids. It'll be one of those fun things you we'll look back on when you see these crazy pictures and think, remember that day? <laughs> I guess that's what it'll be like. So, hey, I want to send a shout-out to all the homeschoolers listening today. Thank you very much for incorporating the show into your homeschool curriculum. Thank you very much. All the over-the-road truck drivers we hear from, thank you. Keep the rubber on the road. Get that freight there safely. All the live listeners that tune into the show, the thousands of archived listeners that listen to the show, and... All of our sponsors across the country that stream this radio show live during the day to their customers as they walk through and shop in their stores. Yeah, go ahead and pick that up at the shelf right there, lady. Yep, I'm talking to you, lady, right there. Go ahead and pick that off the shelf. If you need it, you want it, pay for it. Thanks for stopping by. So, uh, alrighty, we've got poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae, PhD, joining us today. Things to consider when you're building your new chicken coop. You know what I consider when I consider building my chicken coop? Buying one. <laughs> That's what I'm considering. When I consi- Things that Andy considers when building a chicken coop is to buy one, because not only do I not have the woodworking skill, I do not have the proper tools, which would make it a much easier and more pleasant process to build. So if Andy goes to build a chicken coop, I'll have to put earplugs in Caleb's and Lily's ears because there will probably be a lot of cuss words mentioned as I cut wrong here, cut there, cut this, cut that, measure wrong, uh, things don't fit, things fall apart, try to hold it in, screw it in. No, oh, sorry. So what? A, what? What? A, what's the chicken whisperer going to consider? Buying one. But <laughs> I still need to know what to look for when I go to buy one. You know, what about the nest boxes? What about the roofs? What about the space? What about the flooring? What about the, the, the ventilation? What about ease of cleaning? Uh, what about, um, you know, uh, insulation for the wintertime and good ventilation in the summertime and, and uh, you know, predator protection and keeping rodents out? All those things, and whether I'm going to build it or buy it, I need to know what to look for when I'm picking out, hopefully, the perfect coop for my backyard. So, uh, today, we've got poultry scientist and professor, Dr. McRae's is going to be joining us and teaching us a little bit about what to look for when we're building, and even these things come in handy when buying a chicken coop. Dr. McRae, thanks for joining us today.
1: Hi, Andy. Long time no chat.
0: I know. So glad to have you back. Glad you're feeling better over the flu. I'm getting over all the junk I had after I had uh, surgery and as you can see, I haven't coughed yet this episode, so I think I'm over the hump there. Uh, so hopefully I can stay healthy through the spring and uh, uh, just start um, sleeping with some essential oils going in, in the uh, diffuser so I can help stay healthy, some on guard and some things like that to try to keep me uh, up to par. And um, and uh, always in the spring I start touring, watching my diet a little bit more closer uh, because uh, being on the road, you know, I never... Don't eat too much on the road. I actually always lose weight when I'm on tour because I don't eat a lot So I don't want to go into a presentation with a full tummy and I'm like, uh. So, um, <laughs> but yeah. So hopefully we'll be healthy through the spring and and remind me because I'm thinking the reason why I can't be at CoopTastic this year is because next weekend. I will be in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm pretty sure, oh, not next weekend, the following weekend, which I guess is like the 7th, uh, is Cooptastic? Am I, do I remember Yeah, that March
1: 7th is Cooptastic, everybody. And boy, have I got a good selection of different feed and product manufacturers out there. We've got folks coming from as far south as North Carolina and as far north as New Hampshire to showcase their new products and they're innovative products for you small flock backyard poultry producers. As you've heard me talk in the past, Andy, we have topics for the very new flock owner, people who are thinking about getting started with a flock and they don't know what they need to know. And then there's something for the slightly more advanced people. Um, Well, how much does that first egg really cost you? If you want to sell some of your eggs, how do you calculate your costs if you're going to um, if you're going to go ahead and move into pastured poultry production? What are some of the realities you need to know? Because there are people out there who are spreading some slightly different, uh, non-science based information, and you know me, I like science based information, right, Andy?
0: Absolutely.
1: So I feel that all the listeners who come to the talks at Cooptastic. They deserve to hear good science-based information. So that's what I have uh, at Cooptastic this year. We've got two areas going simultaneously where people can come and learn about anything from uh, getting started to more advanced topics. um, And of course, there's the vendors. We are even planning to have our new mobile meat processing lab at CoopTastic. We don't know if we can back it into the building or not, but we're going to try. Because
0: <laughs> awesome. it's 16 hey, I ask, feet long. <laughs> is, is there going to be a... Um,
1: no live uh, demonstrations. Av- no. <laughs> but you a- can walk bowl. through it. Uh, Avian Bowl, Bowl has been changed this year to the um the Mid Atlantic Avian Bowl Challenge will be at the Del Marva Poultry Fanciers show and that's sponsored by Chick Flick. Uh okay. we also have an event in Maryland um right before the same uh same month. Uh right before the, the Mid Atlantic Avian Bowl Challenge we've got another Maryland Avian Bowl Challenge sponsored by Chick Flick. And then um, later on in the spring, we have another Maryland Avian Bowl Challenge sponsored by Chick Flick. And, of course, Chick Flick was kind enough to sponsor the Delaware, Maryland, and New Jersey Avian Bowl events. So Avian Bowl is a big deal this year. Uh, It's growing. I've been contacted by Washington State and a couple other states down further south, people asking questions about Avian Bowl and how to get started And although I can't get into your live chat uh, today, Andy, I did want to let people know that I posted some new questions on the Facebook page, Center for Small Flock Research and Innovation. So if you want to test your turkey know-how, you've got some good questions on there. Okay, Andy, I've got a a spelling question for you.
0: Okay, if if there's no um, Avian Bowl, does that mean there's no five-pound solid chocolate chickens there this year?
1: (laughs) No, instead of a a five-pound solid chocolate chicken at the (laughs) Mid-Atlantic Avian Bowl Challenge, which is open to all states, if you're the winning senior team at the uh, Mid-Atlantic Avian Bowl Challenge, there's a $500 prize. That will help you make it to nationals. So that's the generosity of the folks at Chick Flick sharing that with you folks. So that event is open, and if you want to know um, how to sign up for that with your your 4-H Avian Bowl team, you can contact me, or you can get the Delmarva Poultry Fanciers Club premium book, and the entry form is right in there, and you would send it back to me.
0: Awesome. Okay, you had a question for me.
1: Mm, that always makes
0: nervous.
1: Can you spell the following word? Reservoir.
0: Oh, jeez. I'm um, <laughs> in my brain.
1: Christmas Chick will uh, help you out. I know she's listening.
0: Yeah, she's there. Um, I'm not going to Google it. Um, <laughs> i did it on some property on a reservoir, and he was an architect, so I often saw it on a plan, so I could kind of picture it. I know it's R-E-S. Easy. I think it's like an I O R or something like that. So, how close was I?
1: Um, you forgot an R.
0: R E S. Reservoir. R E S E V O I R.
1: So you've got you've got it close. When I do my spelling questions on the Facebook page, I can either give them to you one way like, you know, please spell these words for juniors and these words for seniors. Or I could pose it to you as a question, such as what is the name for a baby turkey? And you would answer P O U L T. Oh.
0: Gotcha, yeah.
1: So those are the two ways that you could do you could do that. Um and just so you know, Andy it feels like one degree outside here in Dover, <laughs> Delaware.
0: <laughs> I tell you,
1: I was driving home from knit night last night and because I'm a knitter and I and I crochet and I did not realize that there were going to be strong winds and snow flurries and the drive home last night normally takes an hour. It took an hour and a half. Because sometimes you couldn't find the road. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So you yeah, enjoy way your way. trip up in. north,
1: Andy. You just have lots of fun.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm watching the weather closely up there in Ohio for um, two weeks. Actually, it's about twelve days. We'll be up there, and I'm watching Bondalabin. it closely. We're not towing the camper because we're staying up at the uh, the hotel. So, but and we do got four by four. So, but I still I don't care. I don't want any. You of know, it. honestly,
1: Andy, I tried Ooh. to get Kalmbach feeds to come, and there is one person, one place in Delaware that carries Kalmbach feeds. Mm-hmm. And that's that's down in Bridgeville. T A Adams or T S Adams. They yeah. they really wanted to come to Cuptastic but they said but they've been trying to get me to this Kalmbach Feeds trade show for years. They keep raging raging and raving about it. And and the chicken whisper is gonna be there and I'm like, I know <laughs>
0: That's why he's not a gonna, be here. He was gonna be there. <laughs> That's why he's not gonna
1: be at Kooptastic <laughs> That's so funny. Oh well, I hope it's an absolute blast, and I can't wait to try Kalmbach feeds. I just wish that they could they could spare someone over at their mill to to send someone to Co- uh, Coopastic because we've got all kinds of other other feed folks coming, large, small, medium size. Um, mm-hmm. We even have tractor supply coming this time. So, Good deal. It, Cooptastic, it's March 7th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Delaware State Fairgrounds in Harrington, Delaware. There is no fee to participate this year. We teamed up with the Delaware Department of Agriculture, and they wanted to make it a free event. So, anybody who wants to come, hop in the car, come down, and you are going to have a blast. Straight up. Yep. It's always a ton of fun.
0: It is fun.
1: Well, you asked me to come up with a topic for today's show. And since it's the season where everybody's thinking about baby chicks, I figured I'd put my extension specialist hat on and start talking the basics. Because I don't think I've done this for four years, this talk, Andy. it's It's been a long time. Okay. So your listeners are pretty knowledgeable if they've been with you for a while. But if you've got a new person... You know, you might want to get started with some of the basics. And for all you new people out there, you are not alone. You are more surrounded by knowledgeable chicken people than you think. Talk to 4-H leaders. Talk to FFA instructors. Maybe in your area there is a poultry club, whether it's for backyard poultry or for show poultry. doesn't matter. Chicken people just like to talk chicken. Mm -hmm. And if you are a backyard flock owner, go to your your show chicken club and start talking chicken because those people are more than happy to share information with you. Look at your extension office or cooperative extension office in your county. If your county doesn't have a poultry specialist, they might have someone who does livestock or general agriculture and every few months or at least maybe once a year, they might have a poultry workshop where you get to know good information and you can meet some other poultry people. If they don't, call them and request this kind of information. If you know some people who might want to come, get a group of five people together and see if you can't have um, a, a small meeting that's advertised and maybe you'll get some other people interested. So if you're thinking about getting started with your coop, you're going to have to think about, all right, I need a coop, but I need a backup space. So you're really talking about two areas. So you've got your regular coop and then your quarantine area or your backup area. Uh, of course, you're. we're going to talk about feeding and watering and nest equipment. Um, you're going to have to store some of these things and a, a place to store your feed. And then the last thing we'll talk about are chicks and feed stores. So as anybody has gone on to Pinterest or looked up on Google Images or started their search, there are a lot of different kinds of coops out there. And so you start looking at them and they look cute and you like the colors and the shape is pretty, but... The designs can be hugely different. You need to think about the following specifically. What are the space measurements inside? If you want six chickens and the really cute coop that you absolutely love only accommodates three birds, two really, if they're big chickens,
0: you might have
1: to look elsewhere. (laughs) And your breeds have different needs. If you pick a really big breed, like, say, Jersey Giants or Orpingtons, they need more space than, say, a Leghorn or some of the more small Mediterranean-style birds that are excellent egg layers. So you have to think about the the needs of your specific breeds. If you are diehard set on having Orpingtons, then you're going to need a bigger cube. You need to think about biosecurity. You got to be able to clean things. Can you get in there and clean sufficiently? If you hit your head on the way in and perhaps on the way out, pick another coat because you're if you're constantly running into things and and getting bruises as you're moving around in your coop, you're not going to want to go in there and clean with any sort of regularity. And then lastly, the cost of your materials. Wood is very affordable. It's also hard to clean. So we'll talk about some of the options for getting around um, some of the, the cleaning issues. So if you are going to do a chicken coop that's outside, yes, Fine, go ahead and repurpose a gazebo, or maybe you want to go mobile. Think about it, but make sure that you can stand up in that coop and turn around and get in and outside of the door without running into something. There was a master gardener here locally who was thinking about getting a coop and just absolutely loved the ones, and I said, get in there, walk around. Well, yep, she hit her head on the way in and hit her head on the way out, and she said, you know, I didn't believe you that this was likely to happen, and then it did, and then I totally realized (laughs) I needed something bigger. So think about all the family members. If if wives, if your husband is significantly taller, think about him too, because you may say that you're going to be out there every day, but you're going to come down with a cold or the flu, and he's going to have to go out there. And when you're sick or down and out or asking him a favor to do that, you don't want to hear him complain that he hit his head or something like that. Andy, did you have a question?
0: No, yeah, I was just giggling at that because I, I can just hear the husband now going, I didn't want these darn chickens anyway, and now I've got yeah. to go out there and <laughs> –
1: Why'd you pick this coop? Uh, yeah, nobody wants to you. hear that. So coops can can either be in one place or they can move. And there are lots of different designs out there for mobile coops. Again, make sure it's easy for you to get in there. One of the things that I hate the most is having to get down on my hands and knees to either enter a coop or get a chicken out from underneath You know, maybe it got scared or it's just being a pain in the rear and you won't go inside. But if I have to get out in the snow or the mud on my hands and knees to get a bird, I'm not going to be happy. I'm going to be grumpy. (laughs) Yep. Because, number one, that wasn't the plan, chicken. (laughs) All right. So keep it comfortable and keep it as cute as possible. So one of the coops that I have found that works really well is Murray's Hen Hoops because it's easy to get in and out of, and it's tall enough that I don't hit my head when I'm standing up inside of there. Yes, they can be rather heavy, but they do come in different sizes. So if you have six chickens, they've got a six-chicken size. If you have 36 chickens, they've got a size for that too. might need a tractor to move it, but... um, You might want to pare down your flock if you want to move it by hand. So on the inside, you've got to look...
0: What was the name of that uh, coop again? I'm looking it up. Oh, uh, Murray's
1: Hen Hoops. Okay. Um, It's out in Missouri. Um, So a lot of your listeners prefer um, laying hens. So when you look at a coop, make sure you check out the inside. Does it have a roosting pole or a roosting uh, bar? Does it have nest boxes? Does it have enough space for you to put a feeder and a water in there? If you are really intent on, like, say, the chicken fountain or the bright tap, do you have a space in there where you can set those things or mount it to the wall without giving up too much floor space? Because once you set something on the floor, that space the chicken can no longer use. So I know with the bright tap water, you'd have to set it like on a series of bricks. Um, On the chicken fountain, you would probably have to mount it to the wall, which doesn't sacrifice any floor space. But those are things that you need to consider. Uh, You can always hang your feeders, and so you don't lose any floor space necessarily that way. And there are several books out there for you to choose from if you are insisting on building this yourself. Um, There are books like The Story's Guide to Chicken Coop, Building Chicken Coops. Um, There's another book called Chicken Coops, and I'm sure there's many more out there now. All right, space requirements. If you have a small Mediterranean-style bird, like, say, a leghorn, give them a foot and a half to two square feet per bird. You can go smaller, but they're going to get a little testy with one another.
0: That, that's inside coop space. Inside that's inside the
1: coop, the space. coop space. Yes. <laughs> that doesn't include the outdoor space. Because there's gonna be days like a couple of days ago here in on Del Marva there wasn't a chicken stepping outside. No way, no how. The doors were gonna be shut. Okay. And they probably didn't want to venture outside, at least for not very long. When the snows were on the ground, that means they're gonna spend most of their time inside, so your sex linked brown egg layers, like say your red stars, your black stars your um your production reds uh those birds are gonna need a little bit more space per bird, two to two and a half square feet per bird. now, if you've got a chicken that has a crest on its head, like say a Polish they're going to have a hard time finding um, the door, where the food and water are. Um, large tails, they need a little more space. Chickens don't like to, to rub their tails up against the wall all day long. If you have chickens with feathered feet, like, say, cochins, they need deep shavings, at least six inches. If you're going to go with breeding pens, they need even more space. And you have to think about, all right, I've got three older girls, but I have room for three more. I have to start some chicks. You're not going to start your chicks in the same space where you've got your older hens. You're going to start start them elsewhere. And although it's not a good idea to add new birds to your flock, that's a bad biosecurity practice, you would definitely want to brood them elsewhere and then add them in at a later date. So, those are things to consider for space requirements. Um, As far as roost space is concerned, for the smaller birds, like, say, a bantam chicken on up to, say, a leghorn, which is a small, large-sized chicken, you're going to give them six to eight inches of roost space for each bird. And you're going to go up to a foot, maybe 8 to 12 inches per bird, for any of the larger breeds, like, say, your sex link brown egg layers. Uh, You may even have to give some of these big breeds, like a Jersey Giant, even more space per bird. So make sure there's enough inches of roost space for your birds, in addition to making sure there's enough floor space in there. And it's okay when you're shopping for a chicken coop to walk in with a measuring tape. Measure the inside, not the outside dimensions. And if anybody out there has uh, turkeys, you should not raise turkeys on ground or in space where you have chickens. Um, you can't raise turkeys on ground that has housed chickens within the last three years. Or else, what can happen, Andy? You've heard me talk about this before.
0: Uh, you don't want to spread any disease. hmm
1: Blackhead disease can attack the turkeys. And if you're going to invite turkeys into your flock, you're going to have to make special accommodations for them. If you're going to start looking at having your birds gain access to the outdoors, your safest bet is to protect them from predators. And I get this all the time, Andy. I never have anything in my yard. I've got a dog or I've got a cat. And I never see anything come through there. Well, you've never had chickens before.
0: Hmm.
1: Trust me, there's something that's patrolling. And once it gets a wind of what you got, it's going to come visit. And once it's got a bead on your property and what you got there, it's got nothing but time to figure out how to get in. So if you're going to have your birds have an outdoor run, bury the wire at least two feet down or bend it out at least two feet from the edge of your chicken coop. That still allows you to mow over it once the grass grows up. Um, But anything less than that and a predator in a night can get through. Uh chicken wire is good uh, but it can still be torn apart by a fairly insistent uh raccoon uh, oh yeah, so you you know if you put netting over the top, that's for a raccoon or a possum for them to tear that apart doesn't take very long, especially if you use a thin plastic stuff that's really to keep. Like birds off your your orchard or your grapes.
0: I Um, tell people that that chicken wire may keep your chickens in, but it doesn't do a very good job of keeping predators out. And um, I've experienced that. I've used that cheaper um, I call it blueberry netting or or plant netting and that type of thing. And um, it worked fairly well for what I wanted it to do until we had our first very light snowfall and then it was all on the ground. So that's also something yeah. to consider if you live in an area with lots of snow to just save up your pennies and, and go with the approved poultry netting that has, that's knotted that has that you know eighty or ninety yeah. pound pencil strength break. Yeah, absolutely. That stuff's awesome.
1: But even that stuff it's it can still be chewed through. Your best possible bet is to use a solid cover over your pens. Now, that's if you have a small size pen, and it also keeps wild bird feces away from your chickens, which you don't oh, want your shade. birds to have access to huh? and By using a solid cover, you can uh shade the outdoor area and uh keep your birds comfortable even in the heat of the summer. It reduces uh, access by wild birds. You don't want wild birds to have access to your chickens or their chicken feed or even their water. And anywhere where you're looking at a space where to put your chicken coop, you want to walk around and make sure there's no poisonous plants like jimson weed or any fungi that comes up every year. You want to make sure you maybe you till that ground in and, and plant something new so that potentially poisonous plants Don't come up where you'd like to have your chicken coop run, be located. One of the best things that you can do for your chickens is not give them one run, but at least two runs. Your best bet is to give them four runs, one off each side of the chicken coop. And that way you can rotate them through the different outdoor spaces so they don't end up denuding the area. You can let uh, perhaps plant corn in one quadrant and let that grow up and let the chickens go out there for a little shade. Or in another one, you might want to plant clover because chickens really enjoy the taste of clover. But, you know, let that grow back after they've had at it for a day or so. But that way you can just open up one door, let them have access to one part uh, or one paddock, and then when they come in at night, you can shut it again and let them have access to another paddock the next day. And that way you don't exhaust uh, all of the plant material in your outdoor area. But, again, avoid poisonous plants or areas that have, um, you know, soggy, muddy conditions. That's not going to be healthy for your birds yeah, at
0: all. Make, definitely make sure you've got some good drainage, especially in yeah. the run area. Wow.
1: <laughs> um, if you can, when you order your coop, Uh, Aim for one that has gutters uh, because your chicken coop has a roof and it's going to have runoff and it will run right into your outdoor chicken coop area uh, where your chickens have access. And it'll be a muddy mess right there where the drip line is. But if you Mm -hmm. can redirect that water into, say, a rain barrel or some drainage that you have set up, Uh, That's a good idea. And a rain barrel is also a good idea for your chicken coop simply because uh, you might have a a situation where you collect that water and then you can use it in the paddock area or in your garden. So your, your chicken coop can really do double duty. Let's talk about cleaning and biosecurity. Biosecurity means life protection. So you're trying to keep your flock as healthy as possible. You are going to have to clean out this coop at least once a year, spring cleaning. So like I said, wood is cheap, but wood is hard to clean. So paint the inside of your coop. Seal up all those cracks. It makes it so much easier when you spray a disinfectant or a soap solution on there for you to have to scrub that down and let it dry. Plastics and, and metals are also easy to
0: clean. Andy, go ahead. To, I was going to say just to clarify for the folks that are listening that you know that they're just so focused right now on clean your coop just once a year. That's crazy. I'm out there all the time. We're not talking about spot cleaning. We're not talking about emptying in the poop tray underneath the roost. We're not talking about adding shavings. We're talking about once or twice a year. The good you're taking everything out. You're scrubbing. The spring you're spraying,
1: cleaning. yeah. It
0: and down the roost and the corners and, and exactly and and like you said many times um, even for the woodworkers you like to make those wooden square nest boxes if if you consider buying the metal or the plastic ones there are less grooves less less uh, cubbies for for uh, mites and lice to hide out um, yeah. you're right cleaning and disinfecting that type of thing absolutely I just wanted because I knew when you said that people are like. What, clean once a year. I'm out there all the time. So that, that's what we're trying kind of to, not to not No, to when you air it out.
1: Yes. <laughs> yep. Um, as far as the human entrances and exits, uh, for biosecurity purposes, you want to use most commonly one door to gain access to either the inside of the coop or the outside of the coop. Um, that's where you can put down, like, say, a foot bath. And by having one entrance and one exit, that ensures that people use that foot bath so that they're not tracking something that they picked up at the feed store directly into the coop or tracking something from their coop over to uh, a chicken club meeting or something like that. And we've done entire shows on how to create a foot bath, haven't we, Andy? And they are yeah, fairly easy to create. So, you know, make sure that when you go out into your outdoor space that you are able to stand up in it. Um, if you usually wear a hat when you're out there with your chicken coop, make sure you're out there with a hat on, measuring how high you want your your um, walls to be. Um, as far as biosecurity is concerned, follow a pattern every day. Some things that you need to consider are take care of your youngest birds first, and then Proceed from the youngest to the oldest systematically taking care of your older birds, your oldest birds last. Um, The very last area that you should even be approaching is your quarantine area. And if you only have one spot where you can clean all of this equipment, then you need to visit that area last and, and, um, Make sure you do your cleaning and do a very good job of cleaning and drying your equipment before uh, it is returned to the quarantine area or your, your regular coop. Quarantine area equipment needs to be labeled so it goes back where it belongs. Put a red piece of tape around it. That's the easiest thing you can do. Duct tape comes in all different kinds of colors now. Make sure your wild birds that come near your coop, they don't have access to food or water. Um Move any bird feeders or birdhouses as far away from where you're going to put your chicken coop as possible. And if you have a pond on your property, you might have wild ducks. And we know that's been a huge problem on the west coast right now, right, Andy?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Well, avian influenza can be brought in by wild ducks and they can infect your poultry, which may make them sick. And may cause your flock to be depopulated if they are ill, but you don't want your birds to gain access to any wild birds that come to, or wild waterfowl that come to a pond on your property, or even on the neighbor's property. Side that coop with a a wheelbarrow and a rake on cleaning days. Um, If you can't stand up and lift a full feed tray or feeder tube, to hang it in your coop, then you're going to hurt your back. You don't want to do something where you you're constantly hurting yourself just in the regular care of your coop. Dust your coop twice a year. Get rid of cobwebs at least twice a year, and that way you can you can keep the amount of bacteria down. Uh, so, here's, go
0: ahead, Amy very common question for you that I that I get on occasion, um, but I see it a lot posted and uh both in the wintertime and the summertime and people are choosing coops and that is um should I have the feeder and water in the coop or outside of the coop or are both? And then if you have comments like, Man, my chickens go to roost at night, they stay on the roost of the day, they come out the door and then you know they eat and they drink and they mate and they poop and, and whatever Um, People talk about having water in the coop, you know, uh, maybe causing more humidity in the coop in the winter, which may not be good. So there's all these rumors, myths, and stereotypes out there, um, including. And some people say, "Well, I keep a small, little waterer in case they may want some overnight, um, and that type of thing." But most, you know, I keep the feed inside and the water outside. You don't want to keep
1: your feed anywhere where it's going to get wet. So I would keep feed inside. And if you can, invest in a closed watering system, something with a nipple Mm -hmm. drinker, Mm
0: -hmm. so that
1: you don't have to do as much cleaning and the chickens aren't exposed to as much um, dirt or feces that can fall in the water. And Mm -hmm. those are are not going to affect the humidity in the coop at all. So keep those things inside of the coop. And uh, if you want to, if you're having problems in the summer with a coop that's too hot, insulate it. Start with the roof and insulate the roof one year and then start on the walls the next year. If you can't afford it in one year, work towards insulation. That will keep the temperature a little bit more constant inside there. So I know that a lot of people, you know, they get the chicken itch and they want to get new birds. Or Mm -hmm. they, they start showing chickens. Um, so where do you put these chickens that you should acquire new birds? You put them in the quarantine yes. area that I talked about.
0: Right, how many uh, times do we see, oh, I got a phone call, there's a chicken running loose at the park, and they called me to come get it, or, oh, I rescued this chicken, or, oh, I couldn't help but to bring this chicken home from the fair, or the flea market, or the tractor supply, right. or my neighbor. Or they and always chickens hear about have to be that, on
1: yeah. their own for three weeks, and you <laughs> care for them last you consider them highly infective for three weeks before you release them within your own flock. And that's still no guarantee that they aren't silent carriers of things like salmonella or other organisms like, say, mycoplasma, which we know can be a plague in a backyard flock. So if you've got sick chickens, if somebody gets a minor injury, they're going to go in the quarantine area, and they are going to stay there for three weeks after their last symptom, whether it's a limp or a wound that's healing up or their last cough that you heard, and you're, you're a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, when did I put these guys in here? or When's the last time I heard that? Put a notepad next to that quarantine area and write the dates down so that because we're humans. We keep track of where, you know, what the sick log is on these birds. And if it dies, take that sick log with you. And when you take that chicken to the diagnostic lab, you say, here, make a copy of this. This is the latest and greatest information on this chicken. This is the last time I gave it a medication. These were the last symptoms it had. So that you don't have to try to keep that in your head. Because we all have better things to do with our minds than, than keep on top of our head when the last time that chicken had a a loose stool was. So your quarantine area needs to be physically separated by as much distance as possible from the rest of your flock. So a lot of people that means, well, I don't want to buy buy or build two coops. Um, How about I make it next to the dog run? Well, that's fine. Get it as far away from your regular coop as possible. Some people, that means putting it on the sun porch or maybe in the garage. But make sure you don't walk past that space when you're taking care of your regular flock and putting your your boots and your coveralls on for caring for your regular flock. You need to have separate food storage and equipment storage for your quarantine area. And each time that you use that quarantine area, you're going to give it the full clean-out, just like spring cleaning, and that's a three-day process. I like feeders and waters that are plastic or metal because they are really easy to clean and disinfect. And we all know chickens are going to poop on it. Uh, If you have feeders that have a billing guard, use it. It keeps the chickens from taking the feed and just flicking it out the side. Sometimes these feeders have um, little lips on the edge of them that are billing guards. to keep the chickens from billing feed out right onto the floor. And they don't eat the feed once it lands on the floor. Uh, protect your feed from mold or rain, rain that brings in um, mold in your feed. So uh, keep it out of rainy conditions. Um uh, Put a a rain guard on it if you've got one. Uh, For your watering devices, again, I like plastic or metal because they're easy to clean. For chicks, it needs to be shallow and narrow so that they don't fall in and flip upside down and drown. And most chick waters, they can still drown in them. So I like quail water bases for baby chicks, at least for the first day or so. And here's the real test for your feeders and waters. Can you take it apart without cutting or injuring yourself? Can you reach inside to clean all of the parts? And when you're at the feed store or you're at CoopTastic and you're looking at all these different parts, open it up. Can you fit your hand in there? If you can't or, um, or you can't figure out how to put it back together once you've taken it apart, um, maybe move on to something that's a little easier for you to negotiate. I know it's really easy, the little metal uh, round feeders or chick feeders. I have the hardest time getting the bases to, to come apart when I need them to come apart without making feed fly everywhere. And then I've gotten many a blood blister trying to pop those things back together. So needless to say, they're not my favorites. And I almost dread using them. So think about that.
0: Question, while we're talking about waterers, you talked mm -hmm. about roofs, you talked about water barrels. Uh, Back probably five years ago, um, I did an advertising exchange with a sponsor and got two beautiful coops, large Amish-built coops, and and we were picking them out, what roof we wanted, that type of thing. We wanted them to match our storage bar, and so we went with the shingle roof. And then literally after they had built them and they were kind of on order or, or built and on their way. I thought, dang, I should have got a metal roof because it was offered. We could pick anything we wanted. Because I was thinking, oh, if we're going to collect the water from the roof of the coop and have it go into a barrel and use that as as their, their drinking water, then all the chemicals from the asphalt shingles down the water, da 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 I said, I should have gone with the metal roof. But then you think about... Um, the wild bird poop that may be on top of the roof. The bird lands on the roof and poops or flies over and poops, and the water comes down the roof and, 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 and one, runs through the wild bird poop and then down the gutter and into the rain barrel and into some type of watering system for your chickens, and now they're drinking whatever wild bird contaminants are there. So um, uh, over the years of doing this, um, and the show's been going on for seven years, I haven't had anybody too fond of doing water collection from the coop roof to immediately give their birds um, for, for many reasons, but that that's probably the main one there. So do you kind of concur? Do you see maybe a, as a way of, of being able to do that? Uh, <laughs> if you wanted to go I'm hearing a lot
1: of people out west who are dealing with the drought who are turning to this system so that their mm-hmm. chicken coops are just a little bit more self-sufficient. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: they do realize that, maintaining a water catchment system is its own learning curve as well. So make sure you do your homework on that and make sure you're comfortable with whatever you choose. Um, it, you are going to have to clean all this equipment, uh, you know, your your water catchment system, and you are going to have to maintain some sort of screen over it that you check daily to make sure that you get rid of any... Um, you know build up of, of uh insects or you know whatever falls on your roof, whether they're leaves or acorns or or wild bird manure, and you just um remove that from the screen on a daily basis doesn't keep everything out but um I know several people are at least using that water in their gardens or to water the uh pasture that they keep in one of the paddocks at least one of the the paddocks using that watering system. So, not, no, it doesn't always go to the chickens itself.
0: hmm Okay. Now,
1: to clean your waters, actually, to clean any of your equipment, you're, you're going to use a quarter cup of bleach into 17 cups of water. After you use soap and water on these surfaces, you're going to put the bleach solution and have a 10-minute contact time. So you're probably going to put all this in a bucket. Let it sit for 10 minutes. Then you're going to rinse, dry. And then refill it and put it back in the coop, but a quarter cup of bleach into seventeen cups of water is a is a dilute bleach solution that you can use, and it's effective on your equipment. You can even use it inside the coop just you know protect your eyes and
0: don't drink it <laughs> how about for how about for people that have um a little bit deeper pockets? and want to choose to go with oxine. Yes, oxine
1: or any of the other um, disinfectants that are labeled for use in um, poultry housing conditions. Uh, You have to read the labels. Bleach is not effective on dirty surfaces. It's not a substitute for elbow grease. It's inactivated by organic material, a.k.a. dirt or manure. (laughs) So you have to use bleach on clean surfaces. If you want to use some of the other disinfectants, you can. you just got to make sure you read the label and don't use it on something that's not allowed to be used on.
0: You don't want to ruin your equipment. Hey, so nest if you'll give boxes. Me a sec- if you'll give me a second before you nest boxes and let me go to break. Oh, sure. So oh, okay. Before the end of the hour, we'll go ahead and uh, do that, folks. We're talking with ultra-scientist and professor, Dr. Bridget McCray. We're talking about things to consider when building a chicken coop and even uh, purchasing the chicken coop. Some common sense things as well that a lot of people don't think about, about. Getting your head going in or out, is it easy to clean? Do you have to bend over to actually uh, get those waterers mounted up off the ground? And if it is, it's not convenient. You'll get injured. It won't be fun. It won't be easy, so you won't do it like you should. All these common sense things that she loves to bring to the table when we're talking about backyard poultry keeping, and she joined us the first and third Thursday of every single month. So let's go ahead. We'll go to commercial break. We'll be back with more things to consider when buying or building a coop right after this short break. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer Seal of Approval and are Chicken Whisperer Approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com.
1: water the easy way. More now, you can go wrong. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowls, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg's should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at 1-800-720-1134. Remember, that's strombergschickens.com.
0: Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with a Chicken Whisperer. Actually, in reality, I am super
1: chicken.
0: All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the uh, chicken whisperer tomorrow is friday there will be no show no shows on fridays but we'll return monday with another great episode of ask the chicken doctor with peter brown that is this coming monday so we hope you have all have an absolutely wonderful weekend and so i brought back live from the switchboard we've got dr mccray we're talking all about um things to think about when choosing that coop and uh we'll continue i think we were uh, getting ready to start nest boxes
1: right if you're worried about having enough nests for your hens, don't worry about it. You need a ratio of one nest for every four chickens. I know a lot of flock owners are like, I want six chickens, but there are only four nests. Uh, <laughs> that's all you really need for a bird bird or a coop with that few nest box and only six chickens. Um, they like to be up off the floor. That way you can... Um, keep them a little bit more comfortable and you don't have as many frozen eggs but again you want metal or sealed wood uh, so that it's easier to clean a lot of mites and lice will hide in the nooks and crannies inside the nest box and get on your chickens and that's an area that you want to kind of take care of uh, as far as sealing the wood and make it easy to clean and disinfect Um, Another thing I was thinking about for your listeners, Andy, if they've already invested in a chicken coop and they have moisture or ammonia problems, um, you want to make sure you have fresh, clean shavings. But this time of year, you can even get frozen shavings or bedding right around uh, the entrances for either the human or where the chickens go in and out of the coop. And that can lead to some real nasty um, humidity concerns inside the coop. I was telling you about our sponsor. They've got a product for small flock producers, Chick Flick, and it takes care of the ammonia problem immediately. So if you're already stuck with a coop that, that's the one that you dearly love and you've got ammonia problems or they're feeling cooped up and you can't clean out because things are frozen right now, get ready for coming up north, Andy. ha. <laughs> Try a little Chick Flick in there and you'll be happy. It's a good solution until you can get things unfrozen enough for you to scoop things out. If you've got the kind of nest box where you can um, insert a little bit of uh, a nest box liner instead of shavings, that'll keep chickens from roosting inside the nest box. You don't want that. Uh, by putting down what looks like an AstroTurf mat, You can keep chickens from roosting inside the nest box, and it's so much easier to clean. You just pull it out, rinse it off, maybe some soap and water, and you disinfect it, dry it, put it back in. It's really easy. Uh, Shavings are affordable, though. Make sure that they are changed often. As far as the feed conditions, you're going to have to store your feed somewhere, and I recommend you keep that in a metal trash can nearby. It doesn't have to be inside the coop. It can be outside the coop, but make sure that it's got a tight-fitting lid and that um, some critter can't knock it over to get to the feed inside. Clean up any feed spills immediately so that you don't end up with rodents, and you want to check the bottom around your feed container at least Uh, monthly, to make sure that rodents haven't chewed through. But wait, Dr. McCray, you said put it in a trash can, a metal trash can. Yes, rodents can chew through metal. Rodents have teeth that always grow, and so they're constantly gnawing on things. And hey, if the bonus of gnawing on a trash can means they get access to feed, that's a bonus for them. Keep your reserve bag of chicken feed in another trash can elsewhere, maybe in the garage. Uh, you never know when a big storm's going to hit, a winter storm's going to hit, and you can't get to the feed store like you originally planned, but you got backup feed there somewhere. And then... Any antibiotics or disinfectants that you have for your flock, you want to keep in a locked cabinet away from the chickens and any children of the pets that you have. So you've got to find a spot for that somewhere in your coop or somewhere in the garage or wherever you, you prefer to keep these sorts of things. Now, if you are very picky about what you're going to feed your chickens, before you start any of this, look for a feed store that consistently carries a product That you like and you're going to have to do your homework it may not be the feed store that's five miles down the road it might be 50 miles down the road because you like their ingredients whether it's natural organic GMO free whatever it is that you prefer but you need to do your homework ahead of time and find a place that consistently carries a product that you approve of um, check your water. Uh, make sure that you have a fresh, clean source of water daily for your, your chickens. Uh, some people say, oh, they'll just eat, drink out of the creek or the pond, but you know those can be stagnant and you don't want them to have access to wild birds. Uh, last thing we're going to talk about is chicks. If you're going to get chicks, make sure you get them from an NPIP approved source. That means National Poultry Improvement Plan. And the National Poultry Improvement Plan has lots of certifications. You want to make sure your chicks are certified for as many different things as possible, namely salmonella and mycoplasma. Those are things that you want to make sure, at least gallinarum and uh, plurum Typhimurium for salmonella uh, and mycoplasma gallinarum. And you want to make sure that the that once they get into your property and in your care, you keep them free of those organisms. You can buy them so that the chicks are healthy, but you want to make sure that you, as a responsible flock owner, keep those flocks healthy for the entirety of their state on your property. Um, another another one that I like to recommend is uh, make sure your chicks are vaccinated for Merrick's disease. It's everywhere. And an option is to have them vaccinated for coccidiosis. Now, if you buy chicks that are already vaccinated for coccidiosis, do not feed them a medicated chick starter. If you do not buy chicks that are already vaccinated for coccidiosis, then please feed them a medicated chick starter. Coccidiosis can ravage the gut of a young bird, and it's not only a, an unpleasant process for the chicken, but it can stunt their growth and um, and it puts you on edge because you could track that anywhere on your footwear if you don't have good biosecurity. So if you're not willing to feed your chickens medicated chick starter, fine. Don't feed a medicated chick starter. Just make sure they're vaccinated before you bring them home with a coxidius, um, like CoxiVac or something like that. So you have to do your homework and make sure that wherever you get your chickens, they may not be local, but they will be protected. And once in your care, it's up to you to keep them as healthy as possible. So there you go. Thank you for your time, Andy. And I'll take any questions if you think of them or if any of them popped up in the chat room because I don't have access to that today.
0: There was one that was early on. Done silence. Nope. Um, There there was one that um, earlier by uh, Lisa about um, do you have to worry about predators getting in the run uh, if your chickens are locked in the coop at night? And I replied to that, well, if predators can get in the run at night, they can get in the run during the day and have access to your chickens. I don't want them in my run any time of the day, day, night, evening, morning. So uh, you know whatever you can do to uh, obviously keep those predators out, daytime, nighttime, anytime. Even if your chickens are locked up in Fort Knox, um, <laughs> you got to let them out in the day, and then they can access during the day. I think that was the only one that um, I saw in the chat room, and of course the ones I asked um, during the day as or during the show as well. So uh, about the water collection and things like that. So um, very good topic, and it's timely because a lot of people I just.
1: Like I said, I haven't talked about this for four years, Andy, and I just thought it was time to bring it up again. You never know when your new listeners are going to tune in f- to a podcast.
0: And I've seen a lot of posts this year uh, with with newbies, getting them for the first time. And now uh, chicks are starting to arrive in a lot of the feed and seed stores. And, and this last week or so, 10 days, and people are going in there and getting chicken fever, whether they've done the research or not. And they, they get their chicks, they come home, and the next thing you know, they're posting on these blogs and forums, help, what do I do, how do I do this, what do I do this? And, <laughs> you know, the other day, I got a li- I got a little frustrated the other day, and I did post. I, I said, please don't take this the wrong way, but did you do any, any research homework? before you brought these live animals to your home? I mean, I mean, come on. I, I get it's tempting. There are two little fuzzy butts there in the store, and you're like, oh, I'll get a few. They're small. How hard can it be? And then all of a sudden, you're relying on this blog and forum for your information. After you've got them home, it's just, you know, definitely do your homework. Uh, and if you're going to do your things.
1: homework and you're going to refer to the Internet, make sure that you first go to extension websites because it's science-based information, not opinion.
0: Yep. Exactly. Like Chicken Whisperer Magazine. So, um, mm-hmm. fact-based, study-based, and, uh, and got to love science-based because you're one of our contributors. So, got to love it. Well, thanks <laughs> for joining us. And, folks, uh, Dr. McRae joins us the first and third Thursday of every single month. If, uh, if nothing else is going on or we're not on the and road. And remember,
1: March 7th is Tastic. I hope your listeners come and join us. There's no fee this year. Just come and have a blast. Oh, and I forgot to mention, we're going to have a Chinese auction to benefit 4-H. So there'll be some fun stuff for you to to put tickets in for.
0: Cool beans. Got to love it. Hey, Doc, thanks for joining us today. We do appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All righty. That's uh, poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McCrae, Ph.D., from Delaware State University. And that's going to wrap up another episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Combox Feeds. And no show tomorrow, but we will return on Monday with another great episode of Ask Chicken Doctor with Peter Brown. Uh, And I'm not sure what the topic is yet, but I'm sure I will post it on our Facebook page sometime over the weekend. So have a wonderful weekend. Uh, Prayers from me for safe travels. We're hitting the road Saturday morning. But um, like I said, we'll post everything about Monday's show sometime over the weekend. And also, we're giving a chicken coop away on our Facebook page go check it out facebook.com forward slash the chicken whisper all the information on how to enter that is there from urban coop company and we're giving away a chicken coop in our spring edition of chicken Whisper magazine from wood text products that goes to print tomorrow the magazine is going to print tomorrow and so probably in the next seven to ten days you'll start getting the digital edition sent to you if you subscribe to the digital edition of chicken Whisper magazine if you subscribe to the print edition probably in the next 14 days uh, probably before March 1st, um, you'll receive the print edition in your mailbox, again, of the spring edition. This is our second year of publishing Chicken Whisperer Magazine, both print and digital. And the digital is free. You can subscribe, www.chickenwhisperermagazine.com. There's a subscribe to the free digital edition button right there on the home page. Click, and it comes to you absolutely 100% free. Not an introductory. Not a oh You get the couple for free, and then you have to pay forever you get the free edition it's the same thing as the print you're just reading it on your iphone your ipad your laptop your desktop flipping the pages just as if you would but if you like the touchy-feely physical magazine we'll mail one to you as well uh 9.95 for a year and uh so there you go um hey i appreciate you tuning in i hope you have a wonderful wait, uh weekend thanks for tuning in today god bless everybody <laughs> ba <laughs> ba <laughs>